Welcome or welcome back to the Introverted Black Mom Podcast. If you didn't know already, July is BIPOC Mental Health Awareness Month. So keeping on light with that, we are going to talk to a psychiatric nurse practitioner. So our guest today is going to tell us a bit about her practice and her holistic approach to healing. I'm your host, Shalia. Let's get right into it. All right, everyone. This week, we have a special guest. Um, We have Miss, I'm sorry, we have Dr. Tiffany Smith. And she is an integrative and functional psychiatric nurse practitioner. And she's the founder of Aroma Functional Nutrition Psychiatry. Please welcome Dr. Tiffany Smith. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Perfect. Thank you. Um, those um, that are watching, um, we noticed when we were getting started, we had some technical issues. It's a slight delay, so bear with us. But Dr. Smith is a trooper and she's choosing to rock with me anyway. So let's get started. All right. So could we please get into what it means to be a holistic root cause treating psychiatric nurse practitioner? Yes. All right. So holistic is a very broad umbrella. And so I break it down into two areas of integrative and functional psychiatric nurse practitioner. Integrative means that I bring in when I'm working with clients, everything within the lifestyle about them. And that may mean that. So for me, it was aromatherapy. um, And functional medicine that helped in my journey, which we'll share later. But for you, it might be yoga, it might be massage, it might be hiking. Okay. And whatever that is, we integrate that into your treatment plan. So it's not meds and counseling, but it's everything that makes you and putting together your treatment plan. So we integrate a lot of different modalities that will help you be the best you you can be. Now, functional medicine, the functional part is the root cause part. It deals with the physiology of our bodies and where there may be dysfunction that could be causing us to exhibit anxiety, depression, psychosis. And we don't often think it's related to our physiology. We say, well, I'm in this situation. But that situation, Mm. you don't have to always respond to a situation with anxiety or depression or what have you. It can be our physiology that predisposes us to behave certain ways. So the root, getting to the root cause works better than just doing an anti-symptom type of scenario. So you're sad, I give you anti-sad. You can't sleep, I give you anti-sleep. Anxiety, Mm. anti-anxiety. But guess what? It's coming right back because we just reduced the symptom. But when you get to the root cause, you're nipping it in the bud. And so that's what we like to do. Nip it in. I like that. (laughs) I like that. Um, I guess a bit getting a little bit personal about me. I I really respect the way in which you choose to practice because I had run into a lot of um, when I was dealing with medical issues and even some mental health issues that would just be those examples you gave. Oh, you had some pain from this. Here's this. But then it never really got to the root cause of it. And then it was just like another medication because like we all always know if it's a certain side effect, I can't handle. So I just ended up at one time with literally a nightstand filled with medicine. I was like, but I still don't feel much better anyway. So, and and I kept just asking the question like, well, I wonder how it got started. And it felt like I wasn't getting the right answers. 
I didn't know. So I would go out and research. All I knew is that it didn't feel like a complete treatment, if that made sense. It just felt like, here, take this and just right. kind of go. And that was fine when immediately you're hurting, which it, it was felt some relief. But then it was like, right. after you, it kind of takes the edge off. It's like, but now I don't want the routine of all these medications either. So what do we do from here? So I like your approach <laughs> a lot. Mm -hmm. That's the classic patient patient journey, you know, 100 mm percent. -hmm. And, you know, our society is designed. Our healthcare system is designed to treat us when we have those acute immediate onset, get me out of distress now situation. It's not treat, it does, they're not trained in root cause treatment. It's get me mm -hmm. out of pain now. But then where do you go to ask, answer the question, why? Why did this happen in the first place? You know, it could have been that you, your, mus your back muscles are weak. You got to lift with your legs. You know, it might be your yeah. diet, different things like that, that our healthcare system just is not designed for. And we need another uh, era of providers and clinicians to speak to that. I love that. So side note, when studying, because you're a clinician, so when studying, are, is it fair to say that even when you were studying, your courses didn't teach you from that place? Was it really more so to kind of like, okay, you can mm -hmm. study the body and then get the patients out of here, just kind of get them out the pain. Is that how you were taught? Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. wow. We're, I was primarily taught to be what I call a, a pill pusher. You know, it mm. was about the medications. When you see a psychiatrist, what do you expect to happen? You're going to get a prescription, you yeah. know? And, you know, when I... I so like I watch um, like Frasier and even the mm -hmm. show in the 80s, um, it wasn't family ties, but, but he was a psychiatrist. It was more counseling on yeah. those shows. But today and when I got involved, it was about the medication. And that's what I learned was how to give what medication. But that's not the type of care that I wanted to give. I know that works sometimes, but what works you know, overall and in a more broader aspect. And I didn't put it all together until my precious husband needed my extra love. Yes. Could you tell us a bit more about your husband needing some precious love? <laughs> so my husband is a combat veteran and his, his pain, you know, uh, from plantar fasciitis and just mm -hmm. everything from being a veteran, just the wear and tear on his body, that pain was accumulating and becoming so much so that he was almost bed bound. I mean, he's disengaged wow. from going to the grocery store, doing different things, going to the kids events. And so we're leaning into the healthcare system. But the options, and this goes back to what you said, the options that were available were not leading to a better quality of life. Right. So, for example, he would have muscle relaxers, but the muscle relaxers, while he's not in pain, he's asleep. Yeah. Know? So we still didn't have quality of life. So he said, forget it all. I don't want none of it. You know, mm -hmm. we got to find something else. So we're both trained in the healthcare system. It's what we know. And we had to really kind of search and, and be open to figuring out how to manage him. 
Yeah. And the first thing that we found was aromatherapy, which helped to manage his pain. And he was so shocked that an oil, something that you can rub on you, could relieve yeah. his pain better than any pain medicine could. And so not only that, he had pain, but from pain, you also get, you know, depression and anxiety and he had sleep disturbances and PTSD. But we were able to really work with all of that through the utilization of aromatherapy. So now he's up. We're back engaging in life again. Mm -hmm. And now we need to figure out how to not go back there again. So that's when right. we start looking into lifestyle and functional medicine. Now, I got a degree in aromatherapy because nobody gave me answers. Dr. Oh, Google nice. was confusing. And then <laughs> I also got an additional degree, uh, not a degree, but additional training in functional medicine and lifestyle medicine. And so mm -hmm. as we were putting our lives back together, I noticed the parallel in my patients when I was treating traditionally and how they could benefit from the things that I've just learned and went through with my husband. So then I created Aroma Functional Nutrition Psychiatry and named it that based on the things that we used to help us. But that's the integrative part. What is your combination of things, you know, that's going to help you? And so that is how we came to be by, you know, actually the application in our own lives and asking the tough questions. Oh, nice. Okay. Another side question. Um, it's related though. So to me, it sounds like when you have a patient come in, it's more like a collaboration, if that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. when I hear the word integrative, it's like, so if I come in and I'm saying, um, I have, it, well, I'll use myself as an example. I do, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis, about a year ago. Mm -hmm. I got a bunch of pains. Um, but anyway, so I would come in and I guess you would ask me what sorts of things am I doing to manage um, my condition mm -hmm. or symptoms now? And then I will let you know, and you would make some sort of treatment plan for me that incorporates aromatherapy or whatever other solutions you have. So it'll be more, more everything. It's all okay. about your whole life. You know, Okay. where do you work? How's work? How's your family? Mm -hmm. uh, it even goes back to where you breastfed or bottle fed. Um, it, it Understanding all of you, then we create this whole plan because rheumatoid arthritis has a functional medicine uh, focus. There's a dysfunction that can be mm -hmm. treated with that in functional medicine. So understanding some of the background and seeing where is that dysfunction that can help you with your condition. And so mm -hmm. it, it's going to be a whole holistic thing. So when, so, so I don't, I don't lead with like aromatherapy or anything like that. I lead with you. And so if you say this is, you know, I'm exercising, you know, I got to take the kids to school. I work here. And then we'll start talking about the things that you do and how we can tweak and change certain lifestyle things to help you. Then we talk about um, your physiological things that are going on. Now, okay. most people though, won't come to me for rheumatoid arthritis. They'll come to me with depression, anxiety, I can't mm -hmm. sleep, those type of issues. And then we'll break that down and really find that root cause. And we'll look at the circumstances, the lifestyle and the physiology and put together that treatment plan together. Because, you know, you know, you go to the doctor and they'd be like, okay, well, you need to eat a low fat diet and exercise more. And you're like, yeah, all right. And then that's the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's true. <laughs> but if we work together and incorporate what you do, what you like, what's in your world, then we can make that better. 
Ah, I like this. Where were you? Where have you been? <laughs> I've been dealing with a lot of stuff even after giving birth. Oh my word. It was maybe we'll get into that on another time. I probably need to hire you to help me out with something. <laughs> Anyhow. But no, 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 truly, like I, I really like the way it is. And and then I'm glad that you reeled it back in and you reminded me of um the the reasons why people come see you. And I am in therapy now. So that reminds me, that feels good because that's a similar approach. One that I like too, like the holistic view of things going back in the past. Where did it stem from? What are we doing now? Here's how we can move in the future. So I do, I actually really like that. Um, So I know that I'm a mom, you're a mom, and I would imagine that you also see other moms. So with Mm -hmm. that being said, what are some like common occurrences you've experienced when treating moms? I know you mentioned um, depression. So is there, yeah. So what are some co- common yeah. occurrences? Well, I have to say I, I took a deeper dive into maternal mental health. When my client came in and she says, I'm pregnant, I don't want to take any more medication. And mm. so I hadn't even thought about the aspect of mental health on moms until she said that. And so I'm realizing how that journey is. I had to reflect on my own journey as a mom, where she's coming from. And there's not a lot of representation, specific representation for maternal mental health. Mm -hmm. And so with her and, and wanting to be off meds, that's dangerous. So we need to do that together and we need to take our time with that. And you think about how all the moms feel like that. I need to get off this. I need to get off that. You want to drop it so that your baby is okay. And so um, it really made me reflect a lot. So her and I worked together and got her squared away. But then I dug deeper into uh, the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, which is an umbrella term for all of the mental health issues that mom can potentially go through. And I often talk about how there's so many assumptions around motherhood that moms are not open to share how they really feel or what they're really going through. And particularly in our culture, as I was was learning more about the, the, you know, postpartum depression and psychosis and OCD and anxiety among the maternal mom, I realized I don't know any of my family members maternal journey. I don't know who had what. We did not discuss it. And so I want to start um, this topic with talking about opening up more conversations with better questions to our mothers. And so instead of saying, how are you doing? Even if you just said, how are you doing for real? You know, what's what's really going on? You know, but there are assumptions around pregnancy, around motherhood, and it creates barriers for us because people assume that if you're pregnant, you're happy about the pregnancy, that it was wanted, that you're in a good relationship with your spouse, that mm-hmm. financially you're okay, you know, that the baby's going to be born alive. And so there's so many assumptions that they close the door for mom to say, Nah, you know, I'm not, I'm on the fence about it really, you know, yeah. or, you know what I mean? And so we want to open up more conversations for those that we love to really dig in deeper and give a space where we can talk about what we're really feeling as moms. And, and an example is a lot of moms sometimes no longer love the, the spouse 
Uh, they mm. don't want to be around their baby. Um, they might be overprotective. And and when you're mom, you're like, you're protective, right? But when is it overprotective? Well, you don't want to walk past steps, you know, you don't want to go in the kitchen, you know, just for anything. And so we have to learn those sorts of barriers and things as, as the people around moms so that we start to get a clue and say, mom, I don't know if that, how you feel about that? Are you okay? Can I, how can I support you? I'm here for you, you know, and open up more opportunities to speak. So that's your young moms. So then they get older. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. Take us through the, the stages of motherhood. Yes, that works. I'm loving this. I'm all in. So the babies get older and they are the world. They are the reason for everything that you do. You know, all decisions are around the kids. But at the same time, you still got to take care of you. You still got to mm -hmm. remember that there, if there's no you, everything goes to the wayside. So always, so this is what I'm saying. I'm giving you permission to put yourself first and know that that is not bad and that that is not selfish because yeah. you have to come first to care for everybody else. And one other thing that I find is that we forget that our families love us. And if we say, I need some time to myself, if we say, I need dot, 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 your family and loved ones are willing to give you whatever you need because you are the world to them. Yeah. And true. you got to lean into that. You know, it's okay to accept that. Um, I think that moms were such givers, but not the best receivers. And so... We have to open up and, and receive. We really got to learn to receive love. Remember, if you don't, then the consequence of that is that you can burn out. Yeah. And then you, you can get irritable. And now you're lashing mm -hmm. out to the people that you love. Um, and it can lead into other mental health conditions. It's a stressor now that you're putting on your body that's changing your physiology and composition. So being open, being honest, being upfront, and doing the best you can is what you should do. If you feel it, you feel like I need some time to myself, say it. It's okay. Your family will embrace you. <clears throat> All right. So they're growing up. Oh, let's not even get into the teenage years, okay? <laughs> you know, they start to pull away. They not oh, under your wing as much. You Dr. Know? Smith, I feel like you are throwing <laughs> shots at me. I feel triggered. <laughs> I feel like the whole time you've been talking, you have just read me. But carry on. <laughs> That's a difficult, difficult time. And an another thing with parenthood is that you're not always on the same page as your spouse about how to raise the kids. You come from two different upbringings, but what you want to always put first is that you both love your child and you got to make a decision on who's taking lead. Yeah. Okay. You know, so I have all boys, you know, and it's like, you know what? I don't understand this boy language. You got to take this. <laughs> I don't get it, you know. Um, but then there's other times where I'm giving, you know, and like yeah. my my husband wasn't raised, you know, 100% by his mom and he didn't want to take away me being a mom, you know, to the mm -hmm. boys. And he said whatever you do is right because your mom, I want you to do those things and he just yeah. backed me up from the rear, you know. Gotcha you know, things like that. So you create like that, that partnership, that uh, collaboration and way that you both can take your own ideologies of parenthood and you find a way to make that work together because it can be something that can divide you apart. 
And so you really have to remember that they're going to go away and you want your spouse to be there (laughs) when they're gone. So keep that in the back of your mind that they're going to go away and you don't want the one you love, your spouse, to not be there. So you got to keep working on that and keep that mindset as you're raising the kids. Yes, you are so great. Again, continue to read me in my entire marriage. No, that that's funny. Um, I definitely said that to my husband when we would have like disagreements or differences as it relates to to child rearing. And I just remember telling him like years ago, I'm like, listen, these kids are going to grow up even before they're out the house. I'm like, by the time they're teenagers, they're going to care way more about what their peers think than they will with us as parents. I'm like, I never want us to get to a point where they are going and out the house and now we're still beefing at each other over something that happened when somebody was seven. So I'm like, let's just keep that in mind. So I think saying that and just kind of reiterating that, that definitely helped us. I'm like, it's it's me and you. We we chose each other. (laughs) The kids came with, but once they're out of the house or even, you know, we still got to maintain us. So I like that you said that. Yes, it is facts. It is facts, facts, facts. Um, And it has to be said um, because you you can get caught up and don't realize what you're putting on the line. You're not looking at when they're gone. You're stuck in today and that they need this. They have to have that um, that type of thing. But we got to remember the big picture while we're in the little picture. We may remember, hey, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Correct. And we're just taking the short term to raise these kids, you know? Yes. That is <laughs> so, so yes. true. That is so, so with, true. With the teenagers, as they start to grow and develop, it's really about leaning into them and what's, what are their thoughts about things? How are they feeling about things? Um, and being open to allow them to express themselves, you know, okay. and redirect that when it needs to be. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> But opening up a space to have conversations, all of the kids are going to have different personalities and they're going to require different things from you. So Mm -hmm. it's really about being fluid, really being about being fair to yourself and to them. Really what's going, you know, being fair. It's not um, you should be because they're not the kids when we were little. You know, it's about where they are and how are we going to manage this? I mean, having the Internet and cell phones, I mean, that is Oh, okay. What do you do with that? You can't, it's so much. So, um, it's a, it's a, it's a time, it's a turbulent time where they're trying to figure them out. Mm -hmm. You trying to stay on board with being with them, you know, and you have expectations and they're going to the left and you got to find middle ground. And so if everybody could keep communicating and talking, that's the beginning point of making that a little bit less turbulent. And so here I am, I am empty nesting my last child and I'm so excited. (laughs) You know how, you know how the kids be counting down before they leave? Oh, oh, please. Okay. 28 days. Okay. So. (laughs) Well, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And you know, there's a, this is one of your major stressors in life is empty nesting. Um, just like all kinds of things, transfer into a new state and buying mm-hmm. a house, all these stress. This is one of those big stressors too. And it always goes back to self-care, self-love, 
putting you first so that you can stay calm and in the best mental state that you can so that you can navigate what you have to navigate at those stressful times. Um, but at this stage, we are focused on our transition. Um, okay. We are, we have, <laughs> we've gotten rid of most of his stuff. And <laughs> he is already packed to go um, so that we can start to take our space back. You know, we're letting them know this is, you know, I this is about you. us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And we, we are in that mindset, you know, so this is our third time empty nesting. Mm -hmm. And it's just um, a very freeing time. We have done the work and we're pulling back. We've pulled back and let him make decisions so that we can see where his mindset is and how he's mm -hmm. managing life, you know, so we got to pull back. So like from freshman year, I mm -hmm. start, I was, he was doing high school and college. And so I'm managing that, but he's seeing what I'm doing sophomore year he's communicating with the counselors and completing the forms. Yeah. And then junior year, well, he skipped junior year because he had so much college from freshman and sophomore year oh. that he went straight into being a senior. Now we're scrambling because we thought we had two years yeah. before he left and it's one. Okay. So he, he took enough college credits, got an associate's degree and his yeah. high school diploma, yeah. but he learned how to maneuver both of those things. Then he had the audacity to be in sports too. So yeah, that's so nice. That's wonderful. So, right. So he made decisions that I need to do more than go to school. I mm -hmm. need some social, you know, socialization. I need these things. And he put them in place as well. And he did the work and got the degree. And now I'm seeing him and he's ready to be in college at 17. Yeah. Talking with the advisors, handling his business. He got his CNA life uh, certification and now yeah. this summer he's working as a cna then he has that also to go to college but oh. it was it was about knowing him and his motivation and where he needed to be the other two wasn't like that <clears throat> no sir <laughs> no ma'am mm -mm. different trajectory you know gotcha. different pathway um the other two went to the military he okay. is like uh-uh I do. I make my own decisions. I will be, you know, so again, meeting everyone where they are and getting them off and out successfully. So nice. we feel confident and won't have fear while he's in college. Like, right. oh my God, is he brushing his teeth? Oh my gosh. You know, yeah. does he know what to do? Did you talk to the counselor? Did you talk to finance? You know, right. he knows how to handle his business, which puts pressure off of mm. us. So it's that preparation yeah. Um, knowing the finish line and preparing them the whole time to the finish line mm -hmm. is how you really enjoy that empty nesting and the kids being gone because you know you prepared them for life and what they have to go through. Um, no. And then the next phase for me is full empty nester. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is exciting. I am years away from empty nesting, but a girl can dream. <laughs> it will come. <laughs> I am turning down. And my husband is like, everyone can stay forever. I'm like, they cannot. But we have all mm -hmm. girls. So he's mm -hmm. like, if they were boys, then I would just be trying to boot them out. But with the girls, they can always stay. I'm like, right. mm -mm. it's enough women mm -mm. in here. I need some space. To <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's true. It's a yeah. true problem. They got to have those skills and get out there in the world. And so you prepare them for that. 
and they'll yeah. want to go if they feel, you know, if they want to feel ready, but sometimes they stay a little longer. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say something else, but that would throw us too much off topic. I am good at getting off topic. <laughs> um, oh, this is one, one question I wanted to ask you. Um, when meeting with clients, and I know like July is BIPOC Mental Health Awareness Month. So do you notice a difference um, in, stress in stressors between non-Black women compared to Black women? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely 100%. Um, we bring so much generational trauma with us things that just hold us back and we don't even realize it. Um, and certain mindsets that are different uh, yeah. from uh, our counterparts. Okay. And it's not so much that you need medication from me. Like I said, I'm gonna come, we're gonna talk it out and I may identify, okay, it's these perspectives and mindsets that are holding you back and causing you friction. In one hand, you're telling me I want to be a business owner. Then the other hand, you're telling me you're looking for a new job. So inside of you, you got that turmoil and that's causing you anxiety mm -hmm. and depression. So what I find in the majority of the time in our culture, we just need a safe outlet. And, you know, and not all of us are willing to go through counseling to figure that out. And so we yeah. just need safe places to talk because it's mainly what I see is life issues that get us kind of uh, mucked up in our heads and mm -hmm. we need to just kind of put some things in, put them on the table, put them in perspective and move forward. A lot of it is also not following our gut. You know, we, you got so many distractions, so many pressures on you, so many things going on, either you can't hear or you avoid and be like, nah, he's yeah. all right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, when yeah. we really need to channel into ourselves, listen to what we need, what is our intuition, our guidance telling us and be more in align with that. And then you'll have less friction within your spirit that's mm -hmm. exhibiting in depression and anxiety and insomnia and these other things. And so exactly. once that alignment's made, you're good. You, now, you know, the journey and once just having the awareness that takes off 80% of the symptoms of what you're doing. You know, it's like taking the thorn out and the pain is gone because you took the mm -hmm. thorn out. So I don't find myself medicating a lot in our culture at all. Really? It is, it is more lifestyle living. And is it, be, is it because I understand the culture? Maybe because I understand the things that are not said, you know, and that might be it. I don't know. We have to do some tests and studies or something, but I think that that's a huge piece. That's um, interesting. Yeah. I never said that before out loud, but <laughs> <laughs> it is something to consider. Oh, that's interesting. Um, well, one of the reasons I asked that question is just because, like you said, things that are unsaid or just kind of like within the community, things that maybe we notice and then you know, for the longest, it's been the topic for a long time, the like strong black woman trope and how some women are speaking up and like, hey, like, I don't want to be strong. I want to live what a lot of people are calling the soft life. I don't mm. want that. Or I've realized that I can delegate tasks to other people. I don't have to mm -hmm. do this all by myself or right. I can choose um, 
I was in conversation with uh, a family a family member of mine, and she was just talking about uh, like you know breaking generational curses, and she yeah. has chosen not to have children at this point. But she also was talking about her family members who that's all they talked about, and was like, well, you're supposed to be a mom, you're a woman, and these things. So I'm saying all that to say in, in this conversation, she was like, she found it hard to she wants to be in partnership with a black man. And she was finding difficulty to find one that matches or meshes with her. And then there's this idea of, well, you're a woman, you have to have children. And she's already in her mid thirties. And she's like, so what does that mean for me medically? So all of these things, she was just like calling me, she jokes around and calls me a therapist. Of course I am not, Mm -hmm. but she just like, after we had these conversations and I had um, been able to express myself as well, she was just like, thank you so much. Like, I just feel yep. better. I feel like nobody gets me. And right. I only have uh, my my family members with me are male. So they don't get it from a woman's perspective. So that was a right. big reason why I asked. And I'm glad you mentioned about having a safe outlet. Because mm-hmm. before getting into counseling, I tried it before. But I was so nervous because I wanted specifically a black female counselor. And um, everyone, before we hit record, I was letting Dr. Smith know that after I gave birth, I had uh, what's called postpartum cardiomyopathy. So I had heart disease. And when I was asking the cause, it was literally like, well, hey, you are a black woman. And that was pretty much all the explanation that was given. Like we see this uh, commonality in black women. So I wanted a, a therapist, a counselor, just to hear me from that perspective. And I could not find one for a very long time. And then I had a bunch of different thoughts just like eating away at me. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot to deal with. That was a, I was in a really low place during that time. Anyway, fast forward, I found um, two black therapists. I had a female one and I now have a a male one and it has been the best. Um, To be fair, I had a non-black therapist and she was fine, but it wasn't the same because I didn't feel free to speak right. how I really felt like. I didn't feel free to speak and say, hey, when I was in the hospital, some people didn't treat me so nicely. And now looking back, I realized the reason was, unfortunately, because of my race and just other things that I may not feel comfortable talking to her about. And I feel right. like I'm great and thriving since I have a black therapist at this point. So, yes, yeah. yes, yes. It's important to have providers that you can relate to that you can feel comfortable with and some providers that are not black but they empathize and try to be sympathetic that can be helpful too yeah but analyze your relationships with your providers and ask yourself you know are they do they hear me are they listening to me you know am i seen and heard with this provider and you may need to take some time and find some providers that are more aligned with you to help increase that potential of good outcomes better outcomes when you're seeking yeah. care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I even thinking about like uh, medical providers, I was like searching far and wide and I finally found, I found um like my primary in any way she recommended me to a specialist and this mm-hmm. specialist happened to be a black woman. And I was so excited because I remember us talking about pain levels and I swear I remember leaving that first meeting and I was just like in tears, but happiness because I'm like, she heard me. 
Right. Like she like validated the pain levels I was experiencing. That hadn't happened before. It was quite the opposite. I would right. say I remember having procedures done and like really like, hey, I this is hurting. I'm feeling like I can't breathe these things. And it was just like, okay, it was like a pat on the, on the we'll be done soon. Yep. But we were never done soon. It went on for a really long time. And I was like, I realized now I'm like really traumatized by it. But yeah. to have this black woman like, oh yeah, that must really be hurting. And I'm like, what, what now? <laughs> what did you say? When I told you what my pain level was, she didn't even hesitate. She never thought I was like med seeking. She was like right. treated me seriously. And I'm like, am, am I love? Am I in love at this point? I just left like <laughs> to be cared for. I I had never yes. been in that situation. It, but it felt really good to you know be in trusted hands and all that stuff. So it's yes. really important. It is. It is so important. I agree with you. I'm so glad that you had that experience. Yeah. I don't know if I have had that experience yet, to be quite honest. Wow. Mm -hmm. And you aren't the only woman I've heard say that, a particular Black woman, I should say, that, that mm -hmm. has said that. <sighs> yeah. Finding her was like a diamond in the rough, to be honest. I don't see her mm -hmm. anymore, but I have the memories to hold on to, to be honest. It does keep me hopeful, um, yes. <laughs> you know, that we were fine. And then finding you. So that was nice to know that you exist in the world and hear more about your practice and just your, your views on things. So that's good mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, oh, man, we'll be wrapping up soon. Okay. But while we have you, could you just give us um, tips on mental health, meaning how would you suggest that we handle stressful things? Yeah, some tips for moms or just women out there. Yeah, so I'm all about empowering people to m manage their mental health. I'm a DIYer, let's just say that. And I want other okay, people yes. to manage their mental health and do what you can for yourself. And I have to tell you, the gold is in how you live. How are you living? Now, we know about, um, I, I'm going to just gloss over because there's lots of talk on the sleep and nutrition and exercise yeah. and all of that. Yeah, please okay. do. Everything. But, but. I mean, your mental, everything is mental health and mental health is everything. And I'm talking about looking around in the room you're in, what in there makes you feel good and brings you joy? What makes you happy? Do you have anything? The color of your walls, the, the, your, are your PJs nice and fuzzy and cozy? Um, even when you get in your car, you know, do you, are you like, this is my ride, you know? I mean, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about who you sleeping with? I mean, is that your ride or die? You, right. you know? So looking at everything in your life and flooding it with all things big and small that make you feel the best is is so important i mean i'm talking about do you like your toilet tissue is it comfy when you use it you know do you um i like i like um parsley in my eggs i like to see the yellow and the green you know i like my reds and greens in my food and you know little yeah. things those, those little joys bring that into your life analyze everything and get rid of things that no longer serve you those things at analyze everything look at everything are you bringing me up or are you bringing me down are you yeah. building me or are you breaking me are you making me happy or are you making me sad and if you in between you're on probation you know so <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah are you adding or subtracting from my life that makes sense 
Exactly. With life. And, and so then food, nutrition, sleep, that is so important because when I talk about physiology and correcting the things in your body, if you just start to make small changes in your diet, eating more veggies, if you start exercising more, but not killing yourself, you start to focus on your quality of sleep, you're helping your body heal. You're, help, you're giving mm. your body the nutrition it needs. So the number one thing around that, I would say, is well, number one, look at your sleep. But number two, at least try to eat the rainbow. Put all those colors mm-hmm. in your meals. So track yourself. Learn about yourself. Um, start to see what you're eating, how you're sleeping, all of these areas of your life. And then listen. Number one is listen to yourself. And then that's going to guide you with where you want to maybe start making some tweaks. What is it that your body's saying you should do first, second or third, you know, and then go from there. So the self-love, you know, loving yourself two, listening to yourself and then three, doing what yourself tells you to do for you. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Like now I'm taking. um now I'm in my mind like, well, wait a minute. I should throw out that those pair of pajamas. It got that hole in it. I don't need those anymore. <laughs> but how does it, it make it, you feel? You know? Yeah. But it um to be honest, what you just said helped to validate me because I've been telling my sister and my husband for the longest. And I can't say I made small steps. I need to make some leaps to do this. But for the longest, I'm like, I I would get rid of like I donate a lot of clothes and things. And I was saying mm-hmm. for years, I've been on this journey like. I want everything in my closet to fit me well and make sense. And I want to feel good in it. So I'm yes. like pants that are just like, uh, I'm like, I don't want to feel, um, because I'll put them on and then all day That's I'm right. thinking like, oh, those other ones would look better. So I'm like, get rid of those. <laughs> now I'm thinking exactly. about like, I like my water room temperature. So I'll still continue to leave my, my portion out that I like, cause it, I like room temperature spring water. That's what right. I like. So those things do bring me joy. And you talked about paint colors and mm-hmm. yeah, I like all that aesthetic <laughs> and vibes. So that yes. helps validate that I might be on the right track with this thing. That's um, right. You're listening yeah. to yourself and following through. Yeah. Yes. Well, Dr. Smith, thank you so much. <laughs> you are so welcome. Now I have a gift for your listeners. Yes, please. And gift us. So I have what's called a 21 day Love Thyself Journey. And so it's an audio, a private audio podcast that you can listen to for 21 days that's going to help you just enhance the love of yourself. And oh. what that's going to do, I mean, when you start, so like you're thinking right now, now you're like, okay, I'm going to get rid of them pants. I'm going to do this. It's just going to start that the juices flowing. And yeah. I'm giving you little nuggets for 21 days, but you're going to take it so much further you know, mm-hmm. and to your life. And then it's going to trickle down to your family and it's going to just affect everybody around you. So um, I have that. It's for free. And how you get it is you text self-love as a compound word to 702-919-4200. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in this world that that puts us down and it's not very affirming and yeah. the the love starts with us loving ourselves. So let's make sure we're loving ourselves in all the ways that maybe the world is not, accepting the love that is being given to us so that we can be happy and move forward and, and live this life the way we want to. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. And we thank you for the gift. 
Um, oh, before we go, um, do you want to let other people know where they can reach you, like website or any social media? We do have your gift. I'll add that to the show notes in the podcast so we can definitely take part mm-hmm. of that. But anywhere else that we can find I you. am. I am working on building up my Instagram following. <laughs> so okay. you can follow me at uh, Smith on Instagram. I use Dr. Tiffany M. Smith, Dr. Tiffany M. Smith everywhere. I use it um, for Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And Perfect. then I'm going to be doing more videos and stuff. So I might put them on YouTube as I get those nice. developed. So I'm always um, looking and, and wanting to meet the needs that we have. So I'm always thinking of things that I can share and do. Um, I also have an app that I'm, I need to put a few fine touches on, but I have an app and it's called mental wellness unlocked. Okay. So if you download it now, just know that there are revisions that are coming cause I want to restructure it, but I do have an app and it's Perfect. going to, um, I want to give the foundation of what I'm talking about with lifestyle and everything, kind of give more education and take it a little bit deeper to help you understand and um, can do some self-analysis on the things that we just briefly touched on and many more things. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much um, to those out in listener land or to those watching. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.